This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I have no idea if this is your first time listening to this podcast or if you are tuning in for the 273rd show and that you've heard all of them. I hope it's somewhere in between. However, either way, welcome to the show. I say it at the end every time. If it wasn't for the listeners, we wouldn't have a show. Now, today's guest is somebody who probably holds the record for the most times on cool things entrepreneurs do, and that is Jessica Pettit. The last time she was on the show, over a year ago, we talked about how do you reinvent yourself in business? Because you see, Jessica had spent over a decade as one of the leading speakers in the college market. But I love it. She says that the students stayed the same age and she kept getting older. And so she wanted to make a transition from the college market to the association and corporate market. But that meant leaving behind an entire industry where you had been at the top of your game and having to go out there, retool her message and meet new people who would possibly hire her. What's great is looking a year later, Jessica is making more money, working less hours, and is now one of the most sought after speakers by people who plan events because she is able to captivate audiences and has developed some really good new content. And at the forefront of that new content is her new book, Good Enough Now. Now, I will tell you, I had the pleasure to sort of read this book as she was writing it, read parts of it along the way, and this is a really phenomenal piece of work. If you haven't yet heard of Good Enough Now by Jessica Pettit, you're going to start seeing it pop up everywhere because she has done a really good job of getting partners involved and coordinating a book launch, and we might even talk a little bit about that on this episode. But the reason I invited her in is that I think that the message of Good Enough Now is really, really strong. The subtitle there is How Doing the Best We Can, or yeah, How Doing the Best We Can with What We Have is Better Than Doing Nothing. And I talk to a lot of people on the show who want to be entrepreneurs, they want to be solopreneurs, they want to start their side hustle, but they keep thinking there are so many things that they have to do to get ready to launch, when sometimes just going out there and doing it is the most important step that you can take. So I thought her message was really, really important. She's a very good friend of mine. I said, Jess, will you come on Cool Things and talk about your book? And shockingly, she said, yes. So Jessica Pettit, welcome back to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you very much for hosting me again. <laughs> so <laughs> I gave a little bit of an introduction about you and about your new book and what you're doing, but could you please fill in the blanks and tell the audience who is Jessica Pettit and why did you write this book? So what's funny is I would say Wizard of Mutts is really who I am, but writing the book also is really who I am. And it kind of needed to write and it needed to write itself more than I sat down and said, chapter one, first sentence. But 
me, as well as my audiences for the last 20 years, have uh, I've uncovered some patterns, right? So most people, I believe, really want to do good in the world. And it seems that most people don't know how to do that with 100% success, so they don't try. So really, I had to write the book for myself, as well as others, that trying to try is actually the most important thing we can possibly do, because we're good enough now. So last year, we talked about doing this sort of rebranding, sort of recreating yourself in the middle, and you've had a lot of success in this area. And so part of what you had to do was follow your own advice, I would assume. Yeah, which is like the hardest advice in the whole world to do, right? Like, I would finish keynotes or the audiences would get bigger and bigger and the lines afterwards were longer and longer, hashtag humble brag. And I would listen to what they were taking away from my work. And I literally got to the point like, man, I really wish I could listen to that speech. <laughs> wow, I should really go to that workshop. <laughs> so after 15 years of that, I decided that I really needed to take my own medicine. So here we are. So one of the things I know is you spoke, I won't name who it was, but you spoke at a very large conference, several thousand people. And what I remember hearing about that event was the audience was so enthralled by this good enough now message that they actually had to schedule another session because the Q&A would have just kept going and they had to run to lunch. I've never heard of a meeting organizer having to schedule a breakout room so people could go ask questions of the keynoter when it was not on the schedule. So tell me a little bit about that and how that came about and what that was, what, what happened there. Sure. And I think it's also important to mention that this particular conference, the membership of the conference had volunteered for the venue of the conference, the annual meeting to be changed based on some of the state laws that had passed in the state where that was originally supposed to host the conference. The membership said, no, we are not going to that state. We need to move. And we'll cover the costs, like charge us more money, we'll cover what it costs. If you have a keynoter that can actually talk about these challenging conversations and what it means when you can't know exactly how to fix things that are bigger than you. Um, so I think that that kind of background may possibly have helped. So I keynoted and then there was supposed to be a short like book signing and a Q&A afterwards. And what ended up happening is they extended the room time I think by two and a half hours. So I was there for three and a half hours total, literally just answering questions on what happens in their practices, as well as in the states that they live in and the meeting planners that were there when they're planning events in different states. Um, but then we were able to break it down from like a state politics place, which I'm totally comfortable hanging in. But we got all the way down to I remember um, one particular woman is a grandmother and was talking about the difficulties that she had with her daughter and now the difficulties that she sees her granddaughter having with her daughter. And so we went from politics down to a family level. It's the same skill set. Well, um, and it's, it's great. It, and it's interesting because when I heard the story about them sort of rescheduling and allowing the Q&A and everything to go for several hours, I, I don't know that meeting planner, but I applauded the meeting organizer, because that's one of the things in today's world we have to do is we can't be so rigid. We have to look around at what's happening in the moment and be able to to kind of go with the flow. As entrepreneurs, we have to be able to pivot for what our audience wants. And that's something you almost never see in live events is a meeting organizer willing to say, all right, we're going to extend this and let it go because that's what the audience wants. And in a way, to me, being able to do that 
is having a lot of sort of self-knowledge to know it's okay to make those kind of changes, which in a way ties right back to your overall message. Right. I think that that's actually really important, right? Is that after listening to my keynote to then say, oh, Q&A's up, no more conversations, that would have made no sense. Um, I would also say that the trainers and speakers and presenters and things like that that also regularly listen to your uh, podcast, I would also add, you don't know how big of a difference you're going to make. And so when I see someone with their luggage in the corner and that the second the program's done, they're out. (laughs) Um, They don't have the opportunity to really impact individuals. So you should plan for that too. And that's one of my biggest complaints about many people in our industry is some of the greatest skills of some of the most popular professional speakers is their ability to get to the airport within 15 minutes of saying, thank you very much. And yet I think that the the real value that we can bring to audiences is in that sort of, in your case, it became scheduled, but sort of that impromptu hallway conversations when you stay through the break or you hang out in the bar or, you know, you stay with the conference for the day you give your keynote. I think that's when we have more impact on people. Absolutely. I remember it was a different event, but I had done a keynote and maybe it was two days later. I'm still at the event. So especially if I'm closing, I think it's really important to be at the, the vast majority, if not the majority of the entire event. So I had done a breakout earlier and it, my closing keynote was probably in three hours. And in between or that morning, I remember a woman coming up to me at the breakfast buffet and saying, I, it's taken me three days to get the courage to come and talk to you. Can I borrow you for a second? <laughs> and I was like, want to eat breakfast together? So we sit down to eat breakfast, surprise, scrambled eggs and meat. At, at a conference, they had bacon and scrambled eggs. I'm shocked. I know. It was weird. They did also have a fruit medley. Um, <laughs> so we sit down and talk. And during my breakout session, which this is in a hospice palliative care nursing setting, she took my message into her home life, not her professional life. And she had a child who was coming out as trans or transgender, um, was on suicide watch, and was really, really hurting as a parent, wanting to be super supportive of their child at the time, but as a parent having a million questions and not having anywhere to turn to. And I started thinking about that, and it just so happened where they they live, I know somebody who lives there. So over really bad scrambled eggs, not only was I able to listen to her because I was still around, But I was able to immediately text a friend. The friend contacted this woman. This woman contacted my friend and someone was dispatched to the hospital where the kid was um, within 10 minutes of sitting down. You can't do that if you leave. Right. No, absolutely. And and I think that many people, whether it's people in our audiences, people who listen to this podcast or, or the general population, I think many people feel an imbalance sort of between who and where they are and, and where they think they should be or what they need to do in that case. And they don't know where the answers are. And again, as I started in the introduction to you, I think people sort of overthink it and therefore never take action or they wait three days and maybe the keynote is gone. So when I look at going back to your book, when I look at this, I mean, sitting around and and waiting for change to happen isn't going to make it happen. And so you've written this book good enough now that, you know, if I can paraphrase, it basically says, get off your butt. You're good enough now. You have the skills. Go take action. uh, What I think is interesting, if we go into the model, if we take why we don't do something, so there's, there's usually a pattern in our own response behaviors as to why we typically don't do something or the source of all of our excuses. 
And one of them is a heady kind of excuse tends to be there's no system, there's no logic, there's no step A, step B, step C, step D. I don't know what to do. That's a heady excuse. A hearty excuse is you don't know that if what you're doing actually matters. Like who cares? Why am I going to do this? No one else is going to care. That's a hearty excuse pattern. And then an action-oriented excuse pattern is you just don't know what to do. And not doing anything, I'd like to point out, is also a response pattern. But these are the same excuse patterns as Martin Luther King, as uh, Mother Teresa, as Gandhi. And in current times, also exactly the same excuse patterns of Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton. And fun fact, Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump actually respond in exactly the same way. (laughs) Is, Is that why they sort of oddly being so different appealed to sort of the same swath of people? Um, Sometimes, yeah, I think that swaths of people, it makes a circle, right? So like, let's take, for example, so Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump are very heart action people. So is Martin Luther King. They have a dream, not a plan, right? So Bernie Sanders wants free education for everybody. Well, fantastic. How are you going to do that? No idea. But look at my shirt, right? Yay, (laughs) feel the burn. So then Trump, I think when you look at him, I think what he's doing is he's tapping in to a system around capitalism or reducing waste or bureaucracy, like those kind of things. How are you going to do that? I don't know. But look at my shirt. Right. So like this is what happens when you have a heart action person and their excuses all come from heady places. But as soon as they can tap into a system Donald Trump is tapping into capitalism and making a profit, right? Like, how can U.S. make a profit? I'm not saying this is good or bad, bad, but how um, how can we actually do this as a country? That's the system he's trying to tap into. Bernie Sanders tapped it, tapped into a free education, free tuition, and looking at tuition waivers and community college levels or junior college levels and how that could work. That's a system. Martin Luther King, he also tapped into a living wage, into an economic system. So how we make excuses and how we kind of gas pedal our way through all come from that third place, that third rail place. So on the back of the book, it has a couple of bullet points, and I kind of just want to go through these. The first one is if you're going to succeed in, in, in taking action and getting things done and, and knowing in your soul that, that you are good enough now to, to, to move forward, first one on there is you've got to be true to yourself. Yep. So let's talk about that. Well, I think for some people who make T-shirts that say, be true to yourself, be an authentic person, I think what's really important to understand is that that means you are a hot mess. So what are you going to do with your hot messness? You're not, your authentic self is not the clean, pristine, perfect self, but it's all your lived experiences that have developed in who you are right now. So second to second to second to second to second, who are you right now? is who you're actually showing up with. Spoiler alert, everyone else knows this. You now get to take responsibility for being conscious of this. And then why is this important to an entrepreneur? If you, if entrepreneurs are based on relationships, whether you're being innovative, creative, trying to build up or keep, retain uh, clients or partners or customers or fans or podcast listeners. If you're not authentic and you're not responsible for your errors as much as your gains, you're not going to have authentic relationships that are based on curiosity, generosity, and vulnerability. You're not going to be successful. 
So if you can put that in the crosshairs, you will be. So you've got a couple of more themes uh, here on the book. And before I get to them, though, I've got to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. They do all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really, really, really cool people like Jessica Pettit. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Jessica, the next point on the back of the book that, that it says is building on your strengths. What's that about and why does that matter to people in business? Well, interestingly, we were just talking about some friends of ours that seem to focus only on the weaknesses. We focus on what we don't do well um, in higher education. We focus on the people who drop out of school, don't graduate, make bad grades, are on probation. Um, we rarely focus on the things that are going well. We rarely focus on our talents. Now, I'm not saying like ignore your weaknesses. You don't need to develop those. But why don't you work with the things that you're already doing well? And then one, working with the things that you're doing well or the people that are really interested in hearing what you're doing, you're going to be able to keep momentum. You're going to be able to, what I call, stay in radical amazement (laughs) instead of compassionate exhaustion. (laughs) I love that. That's how to avoid burnout. So the next point is supporting others in their strengths bad time to drink water. Yeah. If you support others and their strengths, you will also inspire them. Nobody is perfect. Everybody is terrible at something. You want to know something I'm really terrible at? A (laughs) yo-yo. I'm terrible at a yo-yo. Can't do it. Even the ones that had the like automatic string puller in the inside of the ball. Can't do it. You know what I do? I don't yo-yo. So what do you do? Something else super fun, who knows, (laughs) but it doesn't involve a yo-yo. And if for some reason I know that I'm going to have to do something with a yo-yo, I will outsource that to someone else or try and do something else. Which Instead of sitting around going, I don't know how to yo-yo. This one time in fourth grade, it was so embarrassing and I couldn't do it. Like, how is that motivating? (laughs) Which I guess leads into the next point, which is how to build better teams. By building better teams, the idea here is that a lot of times, specifically when we're doing this, I kind of consider this book and my work a subliminal diversity training. So we often think that a better team has to look different. And for the record, that doesn't hurt. But if you have a team that, quote, looks different, but everyone responds exactly the same way, your photographs look different, but your team is not inclusive of people who actually respond in different ways. So being able to identify how you respond in a language that's outside of the context of a diversity training, so it's not as alarming or triggering or brings with all the experience of all the other bad diversity trainings you've been to, and you can actually purposely put together a group of people that will respond differently, a certain synchronicity will happen and you'll be able to have a better team. So the final point on the book jacket is serving others. And I know this is something that's, that's very true to my heart. How does this tie into uh, Good Enough Now? I feel like serving others is the antithesis of navel gazing. So part of self-reflection is really important because you need to be responsible for who and how you are in the world. 
and you can also get stuck in self-reflection. You can spend a lot of money on very expensive like crystals and cards and fancy kimonos to wear to your very expensive silent retreats on the side of gorgeous lakes because you are doing self-reflection. But until you actually go out and try and build relationships with other people and really serve other people, all you're doing is spending money and navel-gazing. It's all about building relationships outward, helping people, connecting other people, listening to other people as if they're wise. That's when you will begin to serve. So your book launched very recently and has started to do very, very well. And that wasn't by accident. I mean, a lot of people would sit there and worry about it, or I've known a ton of authors, maybe myself included, who write a book and put it out there and think, yay, I've launched my book. And then, you know, it kind of goes zoom, and sales. You've done a really good job of coordinating partners, of getting people together, and also having a self-confidence that your book is good enough now. What have you done to launch your book? And what can entrepreneurs learn from that in anything they're launching in their company? Well, first, Zoom is exactly what me doing yo-yo sounds like. That's important (laughs) to mention. Um, But what I did intentionally was twofold. Number one, every time the little voices in my head came up and said, "Uh, this is just like a list of your random ideas that you think of in a rental car when you have been alone too long. What are you doing? Every time that voice popped up, I said, thank you so much for playing. I'm busy. Thank you. So I would move those voices aside. They still are happening. As soon as you said that, it came back and I said, I am in the middle of a podcast. Thank you very much. I am busy. So that was one. Number two is it's luckily not called the perfect book. So the every time someone tells me about a typo or a wrong word, or they have a question about the directions of a particular interactive activity that's in the book, uh, I know that someone's playing with me. They're like on my team. And I take those comments in as someone who's really doing their own work and are supportive of the message. I've chosen to do that. That has helped develop a significantly large group of launch partners. Um, I've also made all the activities available to anyone who wants it. If they get the Kindle version or eventually the audio book, you listening to this podcast, you are welcome to go to goodenoughnow.com slash freebies, F-R-E-E-B-I-E-S. You can watch a webinar that I did, a video. You can download a bunch of PDFs that are the interactive activities. But the idea is, is that if my idea is good enough now, then everybody should be doing this so that they can at least do step one, which is taking responsibility for who and how each individual one of us shows up. Then we can work on our excuses then we can build better connections. So tell us about what you did for this launch then. So the first one is I wrote the book. Uh, that was big. I guess that's then, a good idea to actually have the product. That That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So um, unfortunately slash fortunately, that's a weird sentence. Uh, my partner had surgery with a, a long recovery time. So I knew that I was going to be home and I knew that every four hours I was going to have to go give medicine. So I use those three weeks and that kind of timetable. Every four hours, I get to take a break. Every four hours, I get to take a break. And I just like typed every idea I could think of, finished it, and then uh, didn't look at it for six months. So maybe, no, maybe three months. Let's say three months. Then I came back to it with fresh eyes and was like, what on earth was I taking narcotic pain pills? What have I done? (laughs) So after fresh eyes, I was able to kind of reorganize it and really flush out kind of concepts that I liked. Um, 
with that, I was able to take those concepts and email a bunch of my close friends or my clients and said, hey, I'm working on a book. Here are the ideas. Um, were you interested in being a launch partner? So that started kind of helping people get uh, the ability to pre-order. So the first person who ordered the first book was January 7th, 2017. It is now mid-July. So it has been a long journey, but I started selling the books. And I know that this sounds really silly, but the book can't be too terrible because people are already buying it. So anytime I was like, I'm just going to throw this away and give people their money back. I would go and look how many people have pre-ordered the book. And I'd be like, yikes, I have to finish this book. So that became momentum for me, um, which also fits into kind of my own excuse behaviors, right? Like these ideas don't matter. Therefore, I should not be writing this book. Yes, you should. I bought it. Get to work. So that created a cycle for me that was very motivating. Then those launch partners bought the book in advance. Then um, once the book was in my hot little hands, I email or mailed out the books to everybody in these giant gold bubbly envelopes. That I got one. Of- I got I a big giant gold bubbly envelope. Big giant gold bubbly ticket of fun. So I mailed all those out. Thank you to my four friends that said, oh, yeah, sure, I'll help. But didn't know there was going to be like 2000 gold envelopes that we had to label and stamp and fold and stuff. And I owe them a lot of pizza. Anyways, so we got all those out. Then they finally went out. Thank you to my local UPS store as well for doing all the postage and me, instead of me standing in line at the post office. Thank you. Thank you. Then all of those goes out. But inside there was an invitation to all of those folks. And all of the contracts I've had since January, I also sold the books there to, so that people could become part of this launch partner army. And then now, during launch week, uh, people can post images and what they've learned and questions and things like that. And so it's kind of kept it all a buzz until it launched on Amazon just a couple of days ago. So, so that's awesome. But I also think that, you know, having read parts of the book as you were writing it and then having kind of seen the overview of it now that it's a finished product and, and knowing you, I think actually what you did was you lived by your own words and you got the book out there, you got partners, you asked people to help you, and you just knew that you didn't have to be perfect. You just had to be good enough now. And I think that's why the book is doing so well. And that's why you're showing up on radio and in print and and, and major magazines are looking. I was going to say, yeah, Success Magazine is looking at writing about you. You are on cool things entrepreneurs do, which, I mean, let's face it. Clearly the highlight. I mean, Matt and Savannah could call and that might come in second to this. But, you know, you've got all this stuff going your direction and you were able to tell those voices in your head. Thank you for calling. We're going to put you over on the side. And I think that's the message that so many entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, and just people with jobs who have an entrepreneurial spirit and want to get stuff done. I think that's a message everybody has to hear. And that's why, you know, I am sitting here going, buy this book, everybody, because it's going to touch you in some way. And having seen parts of it, I think it's going to touch people in different ways because I think everybody needs a little different nudge. Absolutely. The book is designed specifically for three different types of readers. Um, The other thing that I would add is that not only did all that amazing stuff happen, but uh, like disappointing thing happened too, which is fine because it's good enough, right? So I decided eek, egads, like vomit in my mouth a little bit, but I mailed books to Chris Hayes, Joy Reid, and Rachel Maddow because I thanked them for all of the work that they've been doing specifically in the last couple of years, but really over the years, it's taken me to write the book. 
They write every single day. I've read all their books and it really helped motivate me. I also mailed one to all of the authors of the books that I used as a reference suggested readings, including Conscious Capitalism, Brene Brown, Dr. Beverly Daniel Tatum, Keith Olbermann, like these people that I was like, eek, 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 I can't even believe I'm putting a stamp in the mail. So when I, I just got back home from a conference and I had these three boxes that were identical shape on my desk and I was like, I oddly didn't buy anything. I don't know what those are. All of the books that I sent to Chris Hayes, Joy Reid and Rachel Maddow got returned not because I had the wrong address, but just because they can't accept them, right? Like, who knows what some random person is sending them in a box. So a part of me was like, oh, yeah, my girlfriend sent my book back. But what I think is also really important is that I got really clear. Like, as soon as I dropped those things off and, like, cleared my mouth out a bit, like, I'm really proud of my book. And I'm proud to send it to people that I'm also really proud of their work. So that got me clear, even though they sent the books back, I have been rejected before and I will be rejected again, but I'm clear. So that's really the gift. And there might be somebody right now who is listening, who is friends with Chris or Joy or Rachel, and they'll be like, totally makes sense that they can't open a box because people send things like bombs and, and uh, 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 you know, things, poison and things like that that you can't do. But somebody might know them and they'll say, oh, my gosh, she tried to mail you a book and it got rejected. You have to go buy the book right now on Amazon. And, you know, Rachel Maddow reads it and she becomes your best friend six months from now. That could happen. Totally could happen. That's why I'm on your podcast. You have a great reach. That's right. Absolutely. So call Rachel Maddow. <laughs> The, the one listener who happens to be Rachel Maddow's cousin we don't know about can actually call her and, and let her know so that we I'm we, not creepy. I no, promise. She, she's not creepy. And you know what? Even Rachel Maddow probably needs the message that you're good enough now. Right. And what that's what was so interesting is, is that when I finally got up the nerve to put something in an envelope, like how scary is that? But like. That was scary for me. And it doesn't ma- it doesn't have to be parachuting in order to be scary. But what was scary about it is, do I believe in my message enough to send this to someone that I believe in their message enough, right? But if the idea that someone is doing the work that's inspiring me, the off chance that I could inspire them to keep doing their work, that's worth putting something in an envelope. Sure. And that, and I think that's awesome. And I think more of us should do that. I think more of us should reach out to the people who really do inspire us. Because I know when someone does it to me, I recently spoke uh, to the First Timers Orientation Program, which I know sounds highly exciting, uh, at the National Speakers Association Conference. And there were about two or 300 people who came to that session that I put on. And a woman- Two or 300 people who talked about it as one of the best things they've ever seen at a conference. I'm sorry, did I interrupt? Go ahead. Oh, yeah, so they did. And and one woman actually pulled me aside, and she said, I've been to a ton of conferences. Obviously, she had never been to the National Speakers Association because she was a first-timer, and by definition, that would mean she hadn't been there before. But she uh, she said she'd been to a lot of conferences, and she had never met more people, and she had never felt more at home and more empowered to say hello to people than she had at that conference because of that message. And she said that as I was getting into my Uber to leave the conference to go to the airport to fly home, and you have to go to the airport, and you have to stand in security, and you have to buy your kids lunch, and you have to do all this stuff, and then you get on the airplane. And the whole time I got on the airplane and two-and-a-half-hour flight home, 
I, I really felt good that I, I impacted somebody. And I think that we have to remember that that's true, not just for you and me, but that's true for Rachel Maddow. That's true for, you know, these other people who we think, oh, they're up there on that pedestal. So I think more people should take advantage and let the people who inspire them know that they inspire them because we're all human beings and we all need to know that we're doing good work, whatever level that might be. So, Jessica, before I let you go, I got a couple more questions for you, but I got one more little commercial, and that is for The Potential Project. Those of you who listen to this show know that I have a group coaching program that stemmed out of a couple listeners saying, why don't you have a group coaching program? Other podcasters do. And so I started this program where once a week we have a little Zoom call, and it has become one of the favorite things I do every week. Sometimes only one member calls on, a little bit of free coaching for that person. Sometimes there's five or six people who get on the call, and we go around and we talk about what's the biggest challenge that you're having in your business right now. If you're an entrepreneur or you're a want-trepreneur, you want to start something, what, what is it? And it's not just me who's giving the answers. Everybody on the team is a really supportive little group. This is a warm nest of friends who's helping people achieve things that they want. And if you're having that little pang that you need some sort of accountability, you need a couple people to kick you, now is the time to join. I just got somebody who signed up today who is an attorney, and he said, I've been looking for something like this that was affordable and that I could feel that I could be a part of. And so even people who are attorneys are like, I don't know if I belong. Hey, you know what? We all belong. We just got to find our people. And if you're looking for something, I would say now is a great time to join The Potential Project. And you can find out more information about that at TomSinger.com. And I want to go back to Jessica and sort of close out here. As we sort of wrap up this interview, what would you like to tell the people who are listening about your book and what they what, what they can walk away with? Number one, uh, this is not a hokey book. There is no dancing, drum circles, or any kind of candles used at all writing it or when reading it. The idea is, is that for the last 20 years, I have not seen enough change related to any of the trainings that I have attended, and to be honest, the trainings or talks that I have given. And I decided that instead of waiting for someone else to do it, Hopi Prophecy, we are the ones that we have been waiting for. I needed to do something. So I have a bunch of products that I all created out of the same vein that I'm tired of waiting for somebody else to do it. I need to create something because I know what the problem is. And then I literally was reading James Baldwin instead of writing my book. And that's why it's on the first page of the book. And it says the role of the artist is exactly the same as the role of the lover. If I love you, I have to make you conscious of the things you don't see. And if you're ready to do that as an individual or as a team, as a company, as an organization or as an association, I am more than happy to help you. That is awesome. And I also, beyond the book, I also want to plug you a little bit because you are one of the best professional speakers I've ever seen. And when you were scared to take that leap from the college market to the association and corporate market, I knew that that market was going to embrace you because I have watched audiences line up afterwards, 50 people dip deep going, Jessica Pettit, boo! However, <laughs> it's one of those things that a lot of people don't think because they're not a meeting organizer. They don't think they can influence people like you or me. They don't think they can help. How can somebody who doesn't plan meetings help a professional speaker? I think that anybody can help anybody. A professional speaker, just like Joy Reid, is a human being, a normal person that have bad days and questions and insecurities and make judgments and assumptions about other people to feel safe and to feel prepared. And so literally role modeling, being a full, complete, hot mess of a human being, I think is the best help. And providing space for someone else to do that is as well. 
Awesome. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for agreeing to come back to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. If people want to find out more about you and your book, where do they go? www.goodenoughnow.com. Thank you so much. I really appreciate yet another visit on your podcast. Thanks, Tom. Excellent. Well, it's, you know, the more, the more times I get to have people on, the more we get to throw out the usual questions and just have a conversation. And I think this was one that was going to be really powerful for the people who are listening. And I will tell you what, I say it every time I started the show by saying it, if it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. So thank you so much for tuning in. Check out Everything you want to know about us, we have a Facebook page for cool things entrepreneurs do. You can follow us on Twitter, at Cool Podcast. You can learn more about me and find my books at Tom Singer, T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. But most important, if you like the show, jump over to iTunes and leave a review. You know, it makes my day so much happier when people leave a new, fresh review saying why they like this show. And, you know, it takes you two minutes. So jump over there and let, let us know that you are part of the community and that you listen to this show. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Jessica Pettit. I know you're thinking, what? How is that even possible? But I'm going to find them and we're going to be back with that next episode. But in the meantime, I want to challenge you. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.